Today's journey through the Gospel of Mark takes us to the moments right after Jesus died on the cross. Mark recorded two things that happened immediately after Jesus breathed his last breath. We find those two things, Mark 15, verses 38 and 39. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. Two simple verses, but there's a powerful lesson for us in in these two verses. Before we consider that lesson, let's pray. Dear Father, I pray that you will speak to us this morning through your word. And God, I pray for open hearts and open minds to your truth today. God, again, use me this morning to speak your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Matthew's gospel gives us the most complete picture of what happened right after Jesus died. I want you to read, I want to read for you, Matthew 27, verses 51 through 54. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the Son of God. And so according to Matthew's account, three miracles happened when Jesus died. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. A strong earthquake occurred, splitting rocks open. And the and holy people were raised from the dead. Matthew also mentions that other soldiers join the, the centurion in declaring Jesus to be the Son of God. And of all those things that happened, I want to focus this morning on the most important event to us. The curtain in the temple being torn in two. The interior of the temple was divided into two parts. The holy place where only priests could enter. And the most holy place, or the holy of holies, where God's presence dwelt. And and that was where only the high priest could enter one day a year on the Day of Atonement for the forgiveness of the people's sins. And there was this huge curtain separating the holy place from the most holy place. The curtain was a heavy curtain. Near 60 feet tall and 30 feet wide. According to the book of Exodus, the curtain was made of fine twisted linen of purple, blue, and scarlet. But when Jesus died, that huge, heavy curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. It was said that a team of horses couldn't have ripped it apart. But in a moment, God tore the curtain apart as if a giant sword had sliced it in two from the top to the bottom. Now you may wonder, what is the significance of the temple's curtain being torn in two? I mean, does it have any meaning to our lives? 
To answer those questions, we need to understand a few truths about Old Testament Judaism. A few truths about the temple and Jewish worship. The the first truth. In, In the Old Testament Judaism, God was inaccessible. Inaccessible to ordinary people. In Jesus' day, the temple court was large. And there was this large courtyard surrounding the temple courts. And and this was called the courtyard of the Gentiles. Because this was as far as the non-Jews could go. They really couldn't be a part of Jewish worship. Then, Then the first courtyard inside... What was the women's courtyard? This was as far as Jewish women could go. I mean, they couldn't participate in much of the temple worship activities other than prayer. Only Jewish men could go into the courtyard surrounding the actual temple. It was there that the men would bring their sacrifices and watch as the priests offered these sacrifices to God. As I said earlier, only priests could enter the holy place inside the actual temple, and only the high priests could enter the most holy place into God's presence once a year. God was pretty much separated from the people. He was a holy God in His holy place, and they were unholy people. See, God basically was inaccessible ordinary people. I mean, the average person in Judaism gave little thought to having any kind of personal relationship with Almighty God. The the second truth, in Old Testament Judaism, God used an imperfect high priest to minister to the people. The high priest entered the most holy place into God's presence on the Day of Atonement But before he did that, he had to be cleansed. He would take a special bath, put on special garments, and then he would take a bull and he would sacrifice it as a sin offering for him and his family. He may have been a high priest, but even high priests and their families do things wrong in their lives. And the high priest would then bring the bull... The the blood from the bull sacrificed as a sin offering into the most holy place. The only thing in the most holy place was a large golden chest known as the Ark of the Covenant, which which contained the the tablets of the Ten Commandments, a, a, a pot of manna, and Moses' brother Aaron's staff, which budded before Pharaoh. On the top of the Ark were two Solid gold cherubim, these were angel-like figurines facing each other with their wings overshadowing the lid. And the top of the ark's lid was called the mercy seat. And it was there that the high priest would pour the blood from the bull that he had brought into God's presence. See, See, the high priest, he had to be right with God before he could help the people to get right with him. And so in Old Testament worship, God used an imperfect high priest to minister for the people. The the third truth. In Judaism, God used forgiveness 
our God offered forgiveness through animal sacrifices. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest did more than just offer a bull as a sin offering for him and his family. He also took two goats, and one of the goats was sacrificed as a sin offering for the people. And again, the high priest took that goat's blood into the most holy place and poured it on the mercy seat before God. God was forgiving the Israelite people through this first goat that was sacrificed. And God was removing their guilt by the second goat that was called the scapegoat, which was then chased out into the desert. And this was repeated year after year on the Day of Atonement. A bull and a goat were offered for the forgiveness of the high priest and the forgiveness of the people. Plus, there were other sin offerings made by the people throughout the year. I mean, this was God's way of forgiving and cleansing His people. God offered forgiveness through animal sacrifices. And one more truth. In the Old Testament, God had a special relationship with the Jewish people. The Israelites were God's chosen people. He promised Abraham that He would make His descendants into a great nation. And that great nation became the nation of Israel. God made a covenant with Israel that he would be their God and they would be his people. Please understand that God didn't choose the Israelites to be his people because of anything good that they may have done. Instead, in his love and mercy, God chose them in spite of the wrongs that they had done and would do. And most of the Old Testament tells the story of God's special relationship with the Jewish people. A relationship that took them from Abraham all the way to the day when Jesus died on the cross. It was there at the cross God wanted to do something new. That's why the curtain of the temple was torn in two after Jesus died. He wanted to replace Old Testament Judaism with something better. New Testament Christianity. Which will be altogether new and different. There are four contrasting truths between Judaism and Christianity. The first contrasting truth is with Christianity, God is accessible to ordinary people. With Judaism, God was in, in accessible to, all, to ordinary people. But, but with Christianity, God is accessible to, all, to ordinary people. As a matter of fact, He is accessible to all people, whether or not they are priests or ministers. I mean, this is a truth emphasized in the New Testament book of Hebrews. Let me read for you. Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 22. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By His death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. 
For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with, with pure water. With the curtain, a holy God was separated from an unholy people. But without the curtain, an unholy people can boldly come into God's presence through the blood of Jesus. By Jesus dying on the cross, he opened a door for us to God. He opened a door for a new life with him. And so we are encouraged by Jesus, our high priest, to go through the door into God's presence with a sincere hearts, fully trusting him. You know, we've been talking in the last couple of weeks about being saved by our faith in Jesus and his sacrifice. We also enter into a personal relationship with God through a trusting, fully faith, a full trusting faith in Jesus and his sacrifice. It is the blood of Jesus that makes us clean, and it is our baptism into him that washes away our sin and guilt. It's not so much what we do on the outside that makes us holy. It is the work that God does on the inside through our faith in Jesus and his blood that makes us holy. And that way, through faith in Jesus, any person can have a direct access to God. Any person can have a personal relationship with him. The second contrasting truth, God uses perfect, a perfect high priest to minister for the people. With Judaism, God used an imperfect high priest to minister for the people. With Christianity, he used a perfect high priest, Jesus, to minister for the people. To minister for you and me. The Old Testament high priest had to cleanse himself before he could minister in the temple for the people. But Jesus, our high priest, did not have to have any such cleansing. He had faced all the same temptations that we face and yet was without sin. We turn again to Hebrews, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. And so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God... Let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, and yet he did not sin. And so, does, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We are challenged here to hold firmly to what we believe about Jesus and what he did for us. We are also challenged to come boldly to the throne of God, a gracious God, where it says we will find mercy and grace that will help us in our time of need. I don't know about you, but I have times of need. We all have times of need. And just think about it, we have Jesus with God in heaven right now, and he is interceding there for us. He is speaking on our behalf to God. And Jesus understands us, because he's been here and lived among us. He knows our weaknesses, he knows our struggle, he knows our temptation, he knows our needs, and he and the Father have promised that they will meet those needs. 
With Christianity, God uses the perfect high priest to minister for the people. To minister and help you and me. The third contrasting truth with Christianity, God offers forgiveness through His Son's sacrifice. In the Old Testament, God offered forgiveness through animal sacrifices. But in the New Testament, God offers us forgiveness through His Son's sacrifice. We turn again to Hebrews, Hebrews 10, verses 3 and 4, which speak first about the animal sacrifices made on the Day of Atonement. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. While animal sacrifices provided a way for the Jewish people to deal with their sin and to be right with God, these sacrifices, it says here, did not ultimately take away sin. In some sense, animal sacrifice just pushed those sins forward year after year until Jesus eventually could come and take away sin for good through a sacrifice on the cross. We pick up in Hebrews 10, 12 through 14. But, but our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all times. And then he sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. And there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. But for that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Remember, it was our sin that separates us from God. And the curtain in the temple represented our sin. It separated a holy God from an unholy people. But our high priest Jesus died on the cross, offering himself as a single sacrifice to take away our sins that we might no longer be separated from him. In fact, Jesus' and his sacrifice makes us perfect, though we are imperfect. Our faith in Jesus and his sacrifice makes us holy, though we are unholy. Our faith in Jesus and his sacrifice takes away our sin once and for all. As Christians, God forgives us through his son's sacrifice. Not an animal sacrifice, but Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And then one last contrasting truth. In New Testament Christianity, God desires a special relationship with all people. In Judaism, God had a special relationship with the Jewish people. But with Christianity, God desires a special relationship with all people, regardless of who they are or where they live. We turn this time to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 through 6. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Who does God want to save? He, he wants all people to be saved. He wants all people to have a personal relationship with God. And who does God want to 
understand the truth about Jesus and His sacrifice. He wants all people to know that Jesus gave His life on the cross to free them from sin and to make them right with God. But sadly, not all people will be saved. Not all people will have a relationship with God. Not all people will be freed from sin. And not all people will be made right with God. Only those who place their faith in Jesus and His sacrifice on the cross. That again is the gospel message. And it is for all people. It doesn't matter people's race, our sex, our nationality. God loves the whole world and He sent His Son to die for the whole world. But it's those who believe in Jesus and His sacrifice who will be saved. I find it interesting that Mark mentions the first person who believed in Jesus after his death on the cross. And surprisingly, it was a Roman centurion. Look again at one of those first two verses, Mark 15, verse 39. And when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. This centurion had witnessed many crucifixions. But there was something different about this crucifixion. I mean, there was something different about Jesus. He submitted so willingly, as if he was a man on a mission. He graciously asked God from the cross to forgive those who were crucifying him. He lovingly assures one thief that he would be with him in paradise. He tenderly gave the care of his mother to one of his disciples, John. He cried out in agony those words of rejection, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He declared victoriously towards the end, It is finished! And he surrendered fully at the end. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then add to all of that the last three hours of total darkness and then the earthquake, splitting the rocks. Because of all of that, the Roman centurion was convinced that Jesus was more than an ordinary man. Surely this man was the Son of God. The book of Mark was written to the Gentile church in Rome. And Mark wanted his readers to know that the gospel message was for them as non-Jews. And the gospel message is for each of you. God desires a special relationship with all people. He desires a relationship with you and a relationship with me. Let me, let me share some practical applications as we close. What do, what do we need to do as a result of this morning's lesson? Now, number one, realize that because of Jesus' death on the cross... You can have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. Think about that. See, Christianity isn't about a religion. It's about a relationship with the living God. And each of us can have a personal relationship with Him. Number two, be sure to put your faith in Jesus and His sacrifice. That's what takes away your sin and brings you into a relationship with Him. That's what removes the sin that separates you from Him. And then last of all, come boldly before God in prayer, and He and Jesus will provide you the grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. 
we can boldly go before the throne of God. Uh, Again, the high priest fearfully entered the most holy place one time a year. But we can boldly go to the throne of God. We can go to the presence of God any time we want. And God will hear. And God will work. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you so very much for this opportunity to share. And and again, I pray that you'll be at work in each person's life that hears. God, again, I, I pray... That, that those who are listening know you as their personal Savior. I pray that they know that they can have a personal relationship with you. It's not something that they, they, they think about. It's not something that they hope for, but something that they know. That God is there with them. And that they've been forgiven. And they can share with him for all eternity. And so God, again, work in, in these moments in each person's life. God, work in me. Work in me and and through me to impact others. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. We want to thank you so very much for sharing with us this morning. Important message. Uh, The most important decision you make is what you do with Jesus. And we want to do all we can to help you know a personal relationship with the God of the universe through faith in His Son Jesus and the sacrifice that He made for you upon the cross. We look forward to sharing with you again next Sunday. We just pray uh, God's blessing upon you in the week ahead.